Well, I am very excited to welcome you if you're gathering with us for the very first time as the Christ Journey family once again meets here at Gables Campus, Kendall Campus, across the world, around, around the world, across the nation, I usually say. And so wherever you're making your connection with us today, we are praying for you as we are excited about a brand new series. And I want to start for, with, a, with a line from a great scene from a fun movie that really asks a question that every one of us Every one of us need to answer in life. It's Miracle Max and the Princess Bride. And uh, he, says, he says this, hey, hello in there. Hey, what's so important? What do you got here that's worth living for? Now, we're going to see that scene in just a moment. But uh, for now, I want to say we're starting a new series today. It's At the Movies Leadership Edition. And for the next few weeks, we're going to be uh, exploring the personal autobiographical letter of the Apostle Paul, great letter written about joy in leadership. And at the same time, we're going to be unpacking those themes with some clips from uh, films and popular of all genre. For instance, for today, we have got Cowboys, a buddy film, an action adventure, a science fiction, fantasy, superhero, and for those odd among us, some British humor. So <laughs> I'll let you know when that's coming up. But I don't know of a much of a more significant question that anyone can ask, a more significant leadership question than this. What do you got here that's worth living for? What's the cause? It's a question of calling or of cause in life. What cause are you serving? Now, I found my answer to that as a young adult, and it didn't just come on me all at once, but it grew out of my personal experience of salvation in Jesus Christ. And I can still remember an early spiritual mentor of mine, Pastor Ken, who one day said this to me. He said, you're not ready to live, Bill, until you're ready to die. And it had impact on me at the time. He was preaching from Paul's letter to the Philippians. It was, it's a very personal letter, by the way, and it's crammed full of inspired insight on leadership, especially about leading yourself. One of the first leadership lessons I learned from the Bible was this. Self-leadership is where all true leadership begins. Think about Self-leadership is where all true leadership begins. And yet I think at that point that Ken's words were so, they had such powerful impact on me because I was so hungry. My heart was really hungry to live. I wanted to live fully. Have you ever wanted to live fully? I mean, not just exist, not just survive, but live, thrive. And at the time, it was very significant to me. I had already almost died twice in my life. And I wanted to live. So if you have ever pondered the question of life and death, then you're not alone. I think most, if not all of us do. And in fact, many movies deal with the subject. One of them is Monty Python's The Meaning of Life for the British humor people. You know, we're going to start there. Have you ever felt like your life was just like going through the motions and you're living in a fishbowl? Check this out. Morning. 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 
So it turns out the fish that are swimmingly moving through the bowl in the motions of life are actually in a restaurant and they look out and one of them sees their buddy Howard is being served up as an entree. And he says, makes you think, doesn't it? What's it all about? If you've ever felt like you're just going through the motions, you know, through life, and you're living in a fishbowl waiting to be served up, well, there you go. Makes you think about it. And there's something about death that makes you think about life. There's something about death that makes you think about the meaning of life, isn't there? And that's really where we pick Paul up in first chapter of the letter to Philippians. He's in a fishbowl at the time. The fishbowl is a Roman prison. It's about 61 AD. And uh, he's facing an uncertain future. He's already written in an earlier letter that he has survived many perils already in his life to this time. Here's what he says. I've been in prison frequently, flogged severely, exposed to death again and again. Five times I was beaten with, a, with 39 lashes, you know, 40 minus one. Three times I was beaten with rod. Once I was stoned, not marijuana he's talking about. Three times I was shipwrecked. One time I spent a day and a night in the open sea the predators of the deep. Now, when we're not told what he had been through before he sat down to write this letter and what landed him in jail this time around, but it's obvious that it's got him thinking about dying and what he's got here that's worth living for. And if you want to turn to Philippians chapter one, while you're getting there, let me remind you of that scene in Princess Bride with Miracle Max, where what happened is this, wicked Prince Humperdinck has turned up the torture machine on our hero, Wesley, who as a result is now mostly dead and uh, needing attention from Miracle Max. Here we go. Sir, huh? we're in a terrible rush. Don't rush me, Sonny. You rush a miracle, man, you get rotten miracles. You got money? 65. I never worked for so little, except once, and that was a very noble cause. This is noble, sir. His wife is crippled. Children are on the brink of starvation. Are you a rotten liar? I need him to help avenge my father. Murdered these 20 years. Your first story was better. Where's that bellows cram? He probably owes you money, huh? Well, I'll ask him. He's dead, he can't talk. Look who knows so much, huh? Well, it just so happens that your friend here is only mostly dead. There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Please open his mouth. Now, mostly dead, he's slightly alive. Now, all dead, well, with all dead, there's usually only one thing that you can do. What's that? 
go through his clothes and look for loose change. Hey! Hello in there! Hey, what's so important? What you got here, that's worth living for. Love. You heard him? You could not ask for a more noble cause than that. Yes, honey. True love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for a nice MLT. A mutton lettuce and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomato is ripe. It's so perky. I love that. But that's not what he said. He distinctly said to blave. And as we all know, to blave means to bluff. Huh? So you're probably playing cards and he cheated. Liar! Witch. I'm not a witch, I'm your wife. But after what you just said, I'm not even sure I want to be that anymore. You never had it so good. To love. He said to love, Max. Don't say My another God. word, Valerie. <laughs> okay, so Miracle Max has only one question. Hey, what do you got here that's worth living for? And then the answer, of course, well, let's ask this question. How would you answer the question? I mean, if now the question is coming to you, what would you say? What do you have here that's worth living for? And it's an important question that many are asking and not coming up with satisfactory answers, by the way. Headlines have reflected that. The Center for Disease Control says that suicide rates in the United States have risen 30% in the last two decades, in the last 20 years. It's the third leading cause for young and young adult, third leading cause of death for youth and young adults in America right now cause of death. You know what we're talking about today? We need a cause worth living for. That's what we're looking at. And Paul says we can find it. He found it in Christ. Philippians 1.20 says, I eagerly expect and hope. Right there, we're telling. He's, he's full of expectation. He's got large hopes, even though he's in jail. I'm full of expectation and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now somebody's thinking, oh, that's great for him. He's religious. What about me? Well, what Paul is actually trying to say, this is my take on it, is that when you really meet and personally know the risen Christ by the power of his spirit inside of you, then you have found reason to live and die. And earlier in the letter, he calls that the good work that God is doing in them. He says, you know, God started a good work in you. What that means is, you know, God has a good work he would like to work in each one of you too, every one of us that God wants to do good in our lives. And then that good work, as it starts growing, he says, you know, it's, I just find myself so fond of you. I, ha I have deep affection when I think about you. Something's coming alive emotionally in him between these people he's writing to in spite of his circumstances. And then it moves into pray. What does he pray? Well, he says that your love, verse nine, that your love may abound more and more. Would anybody like to have more love in your life? Paul, because of the good work God is doing between in relationship with him and this church, it's causing, hey, I just want more love for you. And then he says this, and that it would abound in knowledge and depth of insight. You would have greater understanding 
of how it all comes together. And then he says, so that you may be able to discern what is best. The summation is this. The best way to live is in the true love of God. True love is worth living for. And Paul says, this is what God has for you. God, the father over you has now come to you in the presence of his son, Emmanuel, God with us. God is over us. God is with us. And now by the power of his spirit, God wants to live in you so that he's starting a good work in you all because God is for you. That's what the Trinity means. Over, with, and in, God is for you. And he wants more and more love to abound in you. Why? So that you got reason to live. You got something worth living for. We sang a worship song not long ago from this platform. It says this, I got life and I'm living it and I'm going to live it to death. One of our young people led that. I'm going to live it to death. How can you truly live your life to death? It's about finding a cause, a calling that is larger and if you don't believe me, listen to the cowboy in City Slickers. Here's what he said. Cowboy leads a different kind of life when there were cowboys. They're a dying breed. Still means something to me, though. A couple of days, they'll move this herd across the river. Driving through the valley. Oh. <laughs> There's nothing like bringing in a herd. See, now that's great. Your life makes sense to you. <laughs> What's so funny? You city folk, you worry about a lot. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just saying. Uh, how old are you? 38. 39. Yeah. You all come up here about the same age, same problems. Spend about 50 weeks a year getting knots in your rope, and then, and then you think two weeks up here will time for you. None of you get it. Do you know what the secret of life is? No, what? This. Your finger? One thing. Just one thing. You stick to that and everything else don't mean. That's great, but what's the one thing? That's what you gotta figure out. So the cowboy says it all comes down to one thing. You, know, you stick to that one thing and everything else don't mean blank. And then he says, but how do you know the one thing? Well, that's for you to figure out. You know what? My belief is that we may all have a different what in answer to that question. But God's design and desire is that we share the same why and the same how. Whatever your what, what's the why behind the what? And the answer is love. Why? Love, God says. And then how in love is the answer to that question. I want to show you how I came to that. Uh, Jesus, Peter, John, and Paul all agree on this, that love is the greatest thing in the world and not simply the mushy greeting card stuff. I mean the substance of strong love that holds you faithful together throughout. Here's what Jesus said. Love is the greatest commandment of them all. To love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. In other words, all of your life can be full of love. Your thinking, your choosing, your feeling, and your doing. 
This is the greatest commandment, that love would fill all of your life from God toward God, love of God full in your life, and then out of that, you love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus says, love. You love your friends and you love your enemies. What does that one mean? Well, for today, consider this. It's impossible for you to love the wrong person. That's what he's saying. Love is so overarching and great that it can fill your relationship with God. It can spill out onto all your relationship with friends, families, neighbors, and even enemies. It's impossible to love the wrong person. That's what Jesus said. Here's what Peter said. The great Peter, Simon Peter, the great preacher. The end of all things is near. 1 Peter 4, 7. Now, some of us feel like that's truer today than it's ever been. That the end of all things will someday happen. Jesus said, we said the end of all things is near. Okay, so, so what? Well, so, he goes on to say, verse 8, above all, love each other deeply. This is like the thing on top of everything. You feel like life is coming undone, coming to an end? Okay, here's what matters most, love. Love covers a multitude of sins. Oh, now we're talking about, by the world is so full of a multitude upon multitude of sins. What are we going to do about it? Peter says, love. That's like the one thing. Peter says, love above all things. And John agrees. John the fisherman, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God because God is love. In other words, there's no greater motivation than love. There is no higher way to live than love. There is no greater value to add in any situation from the New Testament perspective than love. It is a leadership essential in life. It is the original leadership essential. The last thing we let go of, the first thing we think of, the the way we choose to live our life. And Paul says similar thing. To the letter to the Romans, let no debt remain outstanding. I don't know how much debt you have in your life, but he says, as you're trying to pay all of those off, here's something to consider. Accept the continuing debt to love one another. He who loves his fellow man. He's not even saying right here, love the people that agree with you. He's not saying love your fellow Christians. He's saying, you know, this is how we're supposed to treat everybody. We're supposed to love because that fulfills God's law. And then his letter to the Galatians, the only thing that counts, what does that mean, do you think? The only thing that counts, he says, I'm not asking if you agree or not, I'm just saying here's what the New Testament says, is faith expressing itself through love. This is like top spot. And then to the Corinthians, he writes this, love never fails. So if you want to wind up on the winning side of the equation in life from God's perspective, you're going to choose to love because love never fails. And then to the Philippians, which we're back to our story now. He's in jail. He's writing to the Philippians. And he talks about how God's love has brought him joy. And every time he thinks about them, the love moves him to pray for more and more love. And then the joy rises up. You want more joy in your life. Try love. It's the message of Philippians. It's also the message of the movie Bucket List. Bucket List. Two old guys, they meet in a, hotel, in a, uh, in a hospital room. There's the billionaire Edward Cole, played by Jack Nicholson. And then there's the car mechanic, uh, played by Morgan Freeman, Carter Chambers. And both of these men are coming to terms with what they've done with their lives. Because now they find that they are facing death in the same space. It's a poignant movie about what matters most in life. And at one point, the mechanic tells the billionaire, you know, you you need to find your joy. 
Dear Edward, I've gone back and forth the last few days trying to decide whether or not I should even write this. In the end, I realized I would regret it if I didn't. So here goes. I know the last time we saw each other, we weren't exactly hitting the sweetest notes. Certainly wasn't the way I wanted the trip to end. I suppose I'm responsible, and for that, I'm sorry. But in all honesty, if I had the chance, I'd do it again. Virginia said I left a stranger and came back a husband. I owe that to you. There's no way I can repay you for all you've done for me. So rather than try, I'm just going to ask you to do something else for me. Find the joy in your life. You know, those are the words that are said, find the joy in your life. But if we pay attention to the images we're being shown, you know where joy shows up? Between an estranged husband and wife that are now getting back connected to the heart. Between a praying family that are now gathered in a time of need and are humbling themselves before God. And then we see an image of an alienated father who made a mistake earlier and taking steps to get it patched up between his daughter and himself. And then we're hearing and watching as these two friends who have gone through life's journey and now are facing the end together. It's, all of those are about love, aren't they? Not mushy, I mean substance love. They're all about love. Love is the purpose for which God created us. Love is the greatest why behind any what. Love is the reason to pursue justice. Love is the reason to do business. Love is the best way to treat God, to treat others, to treat yourself, to treat your enemies. Speaking of business, Jesus asked this, what would it profit a man? Let's talk about profit and business for a moment. What would it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? How do you not lose your soul when you're trying to do life in this world? This is a tough world, isn't it? Life is hard and then you die. How do you not lose your soul in the middle of that? Well, the answer is love. You receive God's love in Christ. And then as it rises in you, it's given birth through you in relationship with your friends, your family, with those who experience you in business, in whatever you do in life. That's what I'm saying, that God's love in every part of your life is something worth living for. That's the why, God's why and how behind every what that might flow from that waterfall into so many tributaries, whatever you do. Somebody's still wondering, well, then how do I discover the what? Now, we're going to talk about that. Well, this is a good question, because when you talk about the what, you're talking about the practical application of the value you can add, which is what love is. Love adds that value to the lives of those around you. This is how love gets practical to your family, your friends, your neighbors, even your enemies. This is the what of your cause for living, your calling in life. And um, you know what this is? You ever have one of these? 
give one to your kid. Maybe you serve in our Discovery Land and you play uh, with the children of one of these. It's a hollow ball, which is one of those mix and match things um, where the shape of the outside of the hole gives you an opportunity to measure the shape of the piece and then find the right spot and then, oh, find your fit. And your piece has a place in the experience. And you know what I've been told is that most children, when they try this the first time, they don't get it right every time. In fact, they have to try several times. And it's an experimental kind of experiential thing that they do. It's trial and error. And you know, I've noticed the same thing about us as grown-ups. When it comes to asking, what is it that I'm supposed to do in life? It has something to do with your shape, with your GPS, your gifts, your passions, and your skills in life. And how do my, my piece, how do my pieces match the place that I am to be in this world? Um, you're seeking to match your gifts with the best opportunity that presents itself before you. And finding this is part of the calling to the cause of life. Your cause is, um, I believe, answered with one why, and many what's. Whatever it is that you do, you can still do it in love to make a difference for others. And uh, theologian Frederick Beekner helps me out here. He says, vocation comes from the Latin word vocare, which means to call, voice. A person, the work a person is called to by God. Now, there are different kinds of voices that are calling us to different kinds of work. And the problem is to find out which voice is, uh, is the voice of God rather than the voice of society or the voice of superego or the voice of self-interest. And by and large, a good rule for finding out, he says, is this. The kind of work that God usually calls you to is the kind of work, A, that you need most to do, and B, that the world most needs to be done. There's the intersection. So if you really get a kick out of your work, then presumably you have met requirement A. But if your work is writing TV deodorant commercials, the chances are you've missed requirement B. On the other hand, if your work is being a doctor in a leper colony, then you probably met requirement B. But if most of the time you are bored and depressed by your work, the, the chances are that you have not only bypassed A, but you probably are not helping your patients much either. And then he concludes with this statement. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. You mix, you match, you experiment. Well, how do you find that? Well, Paul says faith, you got to believe, working itself out through love. Um, or Jesus said this, ask, seek, and knock. How can you do that? Well, ask, and it will, you'll receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. What I've done, what I suggest that could be of help to others, is to find a group of trusted people who know and love you, and then ask them, you know, what am I great at? What do I do really well? And then listen. Don't interrupt. Just listen. Take a few notes, and then have the courage to ask this. Make sure there are people that know you and love you, and ask them this. And what am I not so good at? You know, what do I really, you know, doesn't really work for me? And then you can ask yourself this. 
what fires me up? You know, what charges my batteries? What, what energizes me? What makes me want to get up and go at it? And then identify your passion. See, what we're looking for are your gifts, your passions, and your skills. And, uh, and you might ask this, you know, you're hanging out with somebody that really knows you, and you're doing what you do well, and they say something like this, you know, I could never do that. Okay, pay attention. What is it that they said that they could never do? And then they're saying, and because you're thinking, oh, hey, this is just what I do. Because you may not even realize that you're in the middle of your calling and you are doing your GPS and it's matching up and they're saying, that's not me because that's you. And that may be precisely where you can find energy in your calling. There's a scene in Star Wars, The Force Awakens, where Ray has just responded to this compelling call that involved a lightsaber. What was that? I shouldn't have gone in there. That lightsaber was Luke's and his father's before him, and now it calls to you. I have to get back to Jakku. Han told me. Dear child, I see your eyes. You already know the truth. Whomever you're waiting for on Jakku, they're never coming back. But there's someone who still could. The belonging you seek is not behind you, it is ahead. Wouldn't you love to have one of those? That would be so cool. The lightsaber that she is compelled to reach out to, she then discovers belonged to Luke Skywalker and his father before him. And now it's calling to her. She leans into this calling and it's scary and it's confusing. And then Maz says, you know what? The belonging that you're looking for, it's not in your past. It's before you. And then we're shot forward. I, I did, took some liberty there and took us forward to that moment when she took hold of the saber and stepped into her calling. And now she's got a reason to fight. She's got a reason to live. In Philippians chapter one, Paul says, this can happen for you. This can happen for us. It happened for me. He said, I have found it. To live is Christ. And he's found his reason for being. And it answers the big why of love. And then he responds to God's call. He joins God's work. He says, I want to be part of the good work of sharing salvation with others. And then in verse 21, he says, and I would die for this. Man, I'll, ju I'll, t I'll jump on a grenade for this one. This is why I'm here, but until I cross the finish line, 
Acts 20, 24 says, I want to consider, I consider my life as not, as nothing for me. I want to finish this race. I want to complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. And in that, what I believe Paul is doing is modeling for us that most any what can be a vehicle for God's why. And all of our life, all of your life, is to be lived with great love and great passion and a sharing of great giftedness in response to the greatest love of all. We love him because he first loved us. And then wherever we go and whatever we do, we share his love so that others can feel it too, his truth and his freedom through us. Now, maybe you've got some favorite movie lines that you quote all the time. I have some movie speeches. And it just occurred to me that each one of them is built on a cause, like the president in Independence Day. Remember, the world is under attack. The aliens are coming in. And he says this, we will not go quietly into the night. Don't you just want to say that? You hear that? You just want to, oh, what's his cause? Survival. Survival. Then there's Aragon at the Black Gate in the Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, where he says there may come a day when the courage of men fails them, when we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship, but it is not this day. Ah, what's this cause? Forward together. Together, fellowship. It's the theme of the whole film. And then, of course, Braveheart, Battle of Sterling. He says, every man dies, not every man really lives. Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live at least for a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from now until that day for one chance, just one chance to come back and tell our enemies you may take our lives, but you'll never take our Right? What's his cause? What's his cause? Freedom. Okay, here's the question. What's your cause? Have you found it yet? What's your calling? Can you put it into words? Can you put it into a little speech? Two sentences? So that you can be reminded and be lit up every day that this is why I do what I do. Let me suggest something for you. In my life, in my life, I want to know Christ and do God's will. There's one. How about this one? In my life, I want to lead my family to find and fulfill what God has for them. In my work, I want to do my best to the glory of God. That's a mission statement. I want to, it, I, here's another one. I will seek to find, to discover my GPS, my gifts, passions, and skills, and then look until I find the place where they match the world's need. I will seek to live my life under the influence of God's spirit. Did you know the scripture says that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Are you part of all people? Then that means you are a candidate for the pouring of God's spirit out on you, a spirit of love and of grace and of truth and of freedom. Why has the world ever needed it more than, they, than we need it right now? In Wonder Woman, the climactic scene, okay? She's facing down the personification of evil in Ares, and that's why she's got those bands and they're all electrified or whatever that is. I don't know what it is, but he's unleashing all of his evil on her and she's taking the hit right there, you know? And you know what she says? He's tempting her. He says, you need to, you need to destroy Dr. Poison. 
and you need to wipe out the human race because they don't deserve to live. And what does Wonder Woman say? It's not about deserve. It's about what you believe. And I believe in love. And the next thing we see her elevated above the evil one and taking the shape of a cross. Am I the only one who sees that? And as she is absorbing all of the hit from the evil one below, she demonstrates the power of love to overcome. And for some reason, the passage of Paul comes to mind that says, you know, there's only one thing that counts in life, and it is faith. That's what you believe. That shows itself in love. Believing in love that overcomes is a tremendous cause for you to live from. Believing in love is the cause that overcomes. Pray with me. Gracious God, we're so grateful that you are love and that you believe so much in it that you clothed yourself in humanity, entered into this world, that by your spirit you're still present in this world and through your church you desire to pour your spirit out upon a world that is full of a multitude of sins where evil rises up and needs to be confronted. Thank you for giving us the power of love where our relationships are challenged and broken and need healing. Thank you for giving us the power of love where we get tired in the midst of the battle and we get scared to respond to our calling and yet love is the power that overcomes. Fill us fresh today. Fill your people, your sons and daughters, that we might take up your cause and fulfill our calling in life for our children, for our families, for our neighbors, for our enemies, for our future that your will would be done and your kingdom could come. Now, friend, maybe for you, our heads are still bowed, but you would like to begin that personal relationship with Christ. I'm gonna offer a prayer now and you can join me in it if, that's, if it suits the, crawl, the cry of your heart. Lord Jesus, I believe you have brought the love of God to my world and to my life. And that on the cross, you were doing for me what I could never do for myself. You were taking and removing every obstacle of sin and evil from my life in my place. I believe you rose from the dead so that now you can come alive in me. So I open my life to you, my soul, my mind, my heart. Come into my life and be my savior. And now lead me that I might discover the cause for which I have been given life. As I make my prayer in your name, our heads still bowed just for a moment, but if you prayed that prayer with me and would let me ask God's blessing upon the next steps of your faith, would you simply raise your hand and keep it up just for a moment till I have a chance to look across the room. If you're joining us online, then there's an orange banner on the screen. You can click on that right now and we'll be praying for you as well. To my right, toward the back, right on the aisle, God bless you, thank you. And then in the back row, God bless you. 
And then over to my left, right toward the front, right off the aisle. God bless you. Thank you both. Anyone else? Lord Jesus, thank you for every person who by uplifted hand has said, my heart is open to you. And Lord, we believe that you have answered their prayer. So right now, would you grant them to experience the presence of your spirit, filling them with love and calling them close to your heart as we make our prayer in your name. Amen.